Hey, welcome, everybody. Uh, welcome to River Glen. Uh, great to have you here in uh, Waukesha. Welcome, everybody, online and uh, everybody over in uh, Pewaukee. Maybe today's your first time. Uh, I don't know, maybe last week was your uh, first time you joined us for Easter. And uh, great to have you uh, back. We had just a great uh, Easter uh, weekend. Uh, check this out. We did baptisms and uh, we had 41 uh, baptisms. Yeah, let's give God a hand. Uh, that was great. Uh, we thank God for moving people to uh, take a step of uh, faith. And uh, out of those 41, 14 were at Pewaukee. And uh, way to go, uh, Pewaukee. Maybe some of you are still thinking about uh, doing it. And uh, we, can, we can turn the baptistry on. And uh, we, we would be glad to do that for you. Just let us uh, know. Well, hey, it's no secret. This has been a really tough year, last year. And it's been tough on relationships. Recently, I sat down with a friend. Uh, Dr. Gary Gregg, he's a licensed clinical psychologist, and uh, I asked him some questions about relationships uh, related to this new series that we're beginning uh, today. Take a look. I'm here with Dr. Gary Gregg. Thanks for uh, joining us, uh, Gary. So a little over a year ago, this pandemic started and has shut down many things. How has the pandemic affected relationships and mental health? Absolutely. Um, the, the pandemic has increased everybody's stress level, right? Um, in many ways, uh, financial, most certainly. Um, and I think a family's been with, particularly how school has been rolled out and changed. Um, almost, you know, weekly at times when it was at its worst, whether it was live or was going to be home or uh, no school at all. And one of the things we know about stress, Ben, is we all can manage high levels of stress beyond what we can imagine, but the debilitating and painful aspects of stress is its chronic nature. And so I would say a 12-month and counting pandemic would certainly count as a chronic level of stress. The ways that people generally in a healthy manner manage stress have been unavailable. Uh, one of the things that I believe is that needs that produce the most meaning and purpose in life are intended to be met in relationships. Our, our worldview would say ultimately with God. And in many ways, access to these relationships has been so limited. And just because these core needs, relational needs, to be seen and to be loved and be touched and to be known and valued, affirmed, just because they're not being met, they don't just go away. So what, that, what happens is we tend to turn to things temporary and inadequate to make those, the pain of that real need go away. So whether we you know, eat it, drink it, avoid it, shop it, gamble it, um, isolate, all these things are ways people have tried to manage the stress and not having access to the healthy things that we used to manage stress. So to help people, to help us with our relationships, we're doing this series called Emotionally Healthy Relationships. I wanted to ask you, what do you see as the connection between spiritual maturity and emotional maturity? Yes, I think sometimes Christians uh, I would say take a shortcut to emotional maturity. Happiness is really dependent on our feelings and circumstances, many of which we don't have control over. 
So in an attempt to gain that happiness, we keep changing our circumstances. The connection of loving others is our ability and capacity to experience God's love to us. Once we can do that, then I think there's an acceptance of ourselves. There's a want for others to be okay with us, not a need for that. So we're free to be who God created each of us to be individually. Um, so I see that as the freedom we have in Christ then to be who we are because we don't have to abandon ourselves to conform to somebody to make a connection. Thanks so much. Thanks You're for welcome. your time today. You bet. Yeah. Now we're going to post the entire interview. It's about, I think, 35 minutes long later on in this series. And I hope you'll watch it. I think it's really insightful and helpful and, and timely. I think one of the reasons why this year has been so hard on relationships is because we have expectations for life and relationships up here. And the reality of last year has been down here. And that gap creates feelings of disappointment. In fact, I want you to think right now of one relationship in your life where you feel uh, disappointment. Maybe it's a friendship. It's a friendship that you used to rely on, but now your connection feels more distant. Or maybe it's a family member, and this family member, you, uh, lately you feel more conflict then you do closeness, or maybe it's a coworker, and uh, you're feeling more competition where you used to feel connection. Or maybe it's your marriage. You know, you're, uh, when, you went, when you walked down the aisle and you got married, the expectations were up here, and, and reality is, is down here. And that gap has left you feeling uh, disappointed. We want close relationships. We want better relationships. But we don't know what to do with that gap. And that's why I'm really excited about this new series that we're beginning this week. It's called Emotionally Healthy uh, Relationships. And it's based on this great book. It's a Christian book. It's by Pete and Jerry Scazzaro. A lot of the, a lot of the uh, content came from here. And so here's what we're going to do during this series. We're going to give you five relational skills, one each week for you to work on. And by the end of this series... You're going to know how to close that gap and, and to be able to better give and receive uh, love. And here's why this is so important. Take a look at what Jesus said about the importance of uh, relationships. He said, the greatest commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And it's like Jesus couldn't stop there. And, and he said, I've got to combine them. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, the mark of a growing follower of Jesus is a deepening love for God and a deepening love for other people. And, and because of that, oftentimes the greatest roadblock to spiritual maturity is emotional immaturity or relational immaturity. The Caseros point this out. Here's what they say. They say it's impossible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally or relationally, I think we could say, immature. And so here's my uh, challenge before I give you the first skill. Here's my challenge for, for all of us, myself included. The first one is to be brave because it's not easy to work on relationships and face our struggles and disappointments. But I'm telling you, we can do this, but we got to be brave and not just be brave. Second, be open. Would you open yourself up to God? Would you open yourself to the possibility that maybe you play a part in that, in that gap? And then lastly, be ready. Be ready to, to put what we talked about into action. Don't just learn these skills, 
put them into uh, practice. We're even going to give you an opportunity. We're going to help you out with that. Uh, we're offering this event. We're calling it the River Glen's Night Out Challenge. Mark your calendars. It's coming up on, on Friday night, uh, May 7th, and we're going to offer free child care. And the reason we're doing this is so that parents can uh, go out, maybe have a dinner, dinner out, and, and work on these skills that, that we're going to uh, give you. So be brave, be, be open, and be ready. All right, here's the first skill. Ready? First relational skill. And I'm really excited about this one. Here it is. Clarify expectations. It's really important in relationships to evaluate and clarify expectations. I came across an article that I thought was really fascinating about how we have a tendency to have really high expectations in America. Uh, for example, a company will take the same product and they'll market it differently in America and uh, Britain. In Britain, they advertised a cold capsule by saying, it'd make you feel a little better. And they showed a person with uh, you know, a red nose and, and puffy eyes and a little smile because they were feeling a little better. But in the United States, the commercial for the same product, product showed total and instantaneous relief. I mean, they show a person at work and he's working, running as fast as ever, closing deals. She's making presentations and they feel so good at the end of the day, they go bowling together. And uh, it says, it says uh, the British don't expect over-the-counter drugs to change their lives, uh, whereas we Americans will settle for nothing less. Yeah, we have high expectations. Expectations have never been higher and we bring expectations into relationships. I don't know, maybe you expect your kids to get A's because you got A's. Maybe you expect your friend to reply to your text message within five minutes. Maybe you expect your coworkers to clean the break room. Every person brings expectations into a current or future relationship. Maybe you've got a list of the attributes of the perfect future spouse for you. Maybe you've got expectations for more intimacy, more time together, more help around the house. Every person brings expectations into a relationship. For instance, in marriage, uh, we have expectations about uh, money. You know, every couple has conflict over money. And uh, expectations around the holidays, you know, where are we going to spend uh, Christmas? Are we going to go to Aunt Tammy's and, uh, you know, her crazy family? Or are we going to, you know, stay at home in our uh, pajamas? Uh, daily schedules, uh, the number of kids we're going to have. Are we going to have one kid? Are we going to have five kids? How are we going to parent those little sinners when they um, finally come uh, here? Career opportunities, are we going to pursue those? Career opportunities or not? Uh, time management and also gift giving. Now, nothing wrong with having expectations around those things or hopeful outcomes around those things. But as you look at that list, probably many marriages have experienced disappointment because of unmet expectations. Because, you know, when there's one person uh, with, with expectations, uh, deciding the outcome of those expectations, you know, that's pretty easy. But when there's two people with two sets of expectations around, you know, money and holidays and daily schedules and all those uh, things, uh, most conflict happens because of unmet expectations. You know, when Marnie and I got married uh, 33 years ago, 
uh, we had very different, very different expectations. Uh, Marnie thought when anything broke, you know, I would fix it, you know, because her dad uh, fixed everything uh, growing up. I thought that uh, she would do, you know, all the cooking and all the indoor cleaning uh, because, you know, that's what my mom did uh, growing up. I thought that we would uh, decorate our apartment uh, and house with sports memorabilia. And uh, she expects more, you know, Joanna Gaines uh, decor. Uh, you know, Marnie grew up in a family where they, they're very affectionate. I mean, they, they hug, you know, throughout the day, just lots of affection in their family. I think, I, I think my family, I think we hugged one time um, growing up. Uh, we loved each other. We just showed it in different ways. And so after we got married, you know, I'd come home, you know, from work for uh, dinner and Marnie would greet me with a hug and a kiss, and I'm kind of distant. You know, I'm like, you know, this is uh, dinner time, uh, not uh, bedtime. Uh, what's going on here? Different expectations. Here's a definition of expectations. Expectations are the things we assume will come to be. And I want you to think about that relationship right now, you know, where you feel some disappointment. Maybe it's a family member, a friend, a coworker. Uh, maybe it's your spouse. Ask yourself if there is an expectation that has gone unspoken or unfulfilled, and that is causing ongoing tension and disappointment. Scripture says it this way: What causes uh, fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires, your expectations that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and, and fight. Now, obviously, we don't want uh, uh, to reach an outcome where we uh, <laughs> want to kill somebody, but these unmet expectations have the potential to destroy relationships. If we don't learn how to navigate them, friendships fall apart. Families will uh, crumble. Marriages collapse. Small groups disintegrate. Working relationships crumble. So what do we do with, with all these expectations? You know, we all have them. And we all tend to think that someone else is going to meet all of them uh, and fulfill them. Well, I'm not an expert, but God has some principles in his word uh, that have made just a significant difference in our marriage and in our relationships. And as we apply these principles, it's going to help us close that gap and experience greater levels of emotional and relational health and joy. And that's what we all want, right? And so to navigate expectations in any relationship, apply these four principles. And the first principle is this, eliminate the debt. Eliminate the debt. And I'm not talking financial. Oftentimes we approach an expectation as if the other person owes me something. You know, I mean, you owe me, you know, time alone together, dinner out, uh, a better house, time with my friends. And with that kind of mentality, if I don't get what I want from you, you're going to hurt me because you owe me. And with that kind of mentality, you know, even if the other person meets one of your expectations, how, how much credit are they going to get? Not much. How grateful are you going to be that they actually fulfill something when they're uh, simply paying you back what you think they owe you. I mean, not much at all. It was a debt. I mean, they're breaking even. They're getting back to zero or par. But that's what 
happens when you carry this expectation as if they owe you something. It creates a debt-debtor relationship. But look at what scripture has to say about this. Owe nothing to anyone except for your obligation to love one another. They don't owe you anything. And you don't owe them anything except love. And so it's time to eliminate the debt. Now, uh, what does that mean, practically speaking? Well, it, it means, I mean, you can have expectations for relationships, of, of course. But you don't, you, you aren't starting below zero or even, you're, you, you, or, or part. You're even. There's no debt. There's no debt to pay off. And with no debt, you can communicate your expectations positively towards uh, wish, uh, hope, and dream. And then if your friend or spouse or significant other fulfills the expectations, you know, you can show gratitude. You're grateful. And if they don't, one or both of you can, can still thrive because there's no debt. Uh, because again, you're even. And so instead of saying and thinking, you owe me, it's time to start saying and thinking, you don't owe me anything. In fact, that might be a good thing to say the next time you're with your boyfriend or girlfriend or spouse or friend or anyone, just turn to them and say, you don't owe me anything. Now, if they haven't heard this message, they might not know exactly what you're talking about. Say it anyway. Eliminate the debt. All right, here's a second principle to navigate expectations. Clothe yourselves with humility. Because relationships will fail and die when one or both people refuse to talk about and address expectations. And, and you know why this is so hard? These conversations, I mean, they require a lot of humility. Now, you might think that, you know, talking about what you want uh, and your expectations of someone would be uh, fairly easy to do. But let me pause for a moment. Have you done that? Have you calmly and clearly communicated your expectations? Now, you might think you have. You know, you might feel like you have. You, you, you might have, you know, yelled your expectations at them. But have you calmly and clearly articulated your expectations? Because, because if you haven't done that, start there. You know, sometimes people think, you know, I shouldn't have to communicate my expectations. You know, they should be able to figure those out. And there can be pride in that. You know, I'm so important. You know, they should be able to figure out my expectations. But humility says you calmly and clearly tell them. You help them understand. That's the loving thing uh, to do. But you know what? I think it's even more uh, difficult. It takes more humility to listen and, and, and receive those words from another person, especially when you might not be meeting their expectations. I mean, how many of us actually like to hear you know, when we're falling short. Nobody likes that kind of feedback. That's why an absolute key in all relationships is this word humility. Look at what uh, Peter says. All of you, all of you, everybody, clothe yourselves with humility toward one another in all your relationships. Because look at this, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. That's a scriptural uh, promise. God opposes pride but he fills our lives and our relationships with supernatural grace and blessing when we practice humility. Without humility, I mean, we, we can't actually admit that we need to work on something or, or hear that we're falling short. I'm telling you, friendships 
and marriages fail and die when one or both people refuse to talk about expectations because there is a lack of humility. Here's a good question to ask in a friendship, uh, in a relationship with a coworker or family member. This is a great question to ask a spouse or a significant other on a date night. This question right here, what can I do better for you? In other words, Marnie, am I being the kind of husband that you want and that you expect? I'm, in, I'm inviting her to speak about her expectations of me as a husband and a father and a man. And, and she does the same. I'll tell you, this question has been so helpful to us over the years of, of our marriage. I mean, when it comes to discussing and clarifying expectations. But I'll be honest, uh, since COVID started, uh, we've gotten out of the practice of uh, date nights and, and uh, we, we haven't asked each other this question as often. And we need to get back into that habit. Uh, and, and, and not just asking this question, but listening with humility. Uh, that, means, that means you listen without getting defensive. You just listen. You ask that question and you just sit back and you listen. And you let those words sink into your mind, sink into your heart. You listen with a determination to, to do better. Uh, for her. Sometimes I'll take out my phone and, and she'll, she'll give me several things sometimes. And I'll, I'll write them down on my phone so that I remember those are the areas where, where I can do better for her. And it may take some practice. I mean, it's easy to push back and get defensive and argue. But with practice, pride uh, decreases and humility um, increases. So next time you have the opportunity, uh, turn to your spouse, turn to your friend and say this right here. What can I do better for you. And as you do, you open the door to talk about expectations in a humble way. And remember, God blesses. God blesses the humble. All right, here's the third principle to navigate expectations. You submit to one another. Because, you know, it's one thing to talk about expectations, right? It's another thing to really listen and respond. That's why Paul writes these words. He writes them specifically for husbands and wives, but you know, these words apply to all of our relationships. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, that's a hot button word right there, submission. I mean, do you think in our culture right now, submission has a, a positive connotation or a negative <laughs> connotation? It's not too great, is it? I mean, how many of you would say that uh, you know, one of the most exciting parts of uh, being married, one of the most exciting parts of friendship is getting to submit to the other person, probably not many of us. And, but I think one of the reasons why submission gets a bad rap is because our culture has incorrectly defined the meaning of submission. Here's what, here's what culture will tell you. Culture will tell you that submission means someone else removes your value. But that's not what scripture says. Here's how the Bible defines it. Submission is giving someone else value. And uh, whether that uh, is a, a friend or coworker or spouse, when you satisfy a God-honoring expectation of another person, whether that's maybe to do the laundry or to listen to a long-winded story or just show up on time or clean up the break room at, at work, the reason you do that is to show how much you value someone else. And notice, Paul doesn't say submit to one another, you know, because they're so great. He doesn't say submit to one another because they've earned it 
or because you owe them, or because they're so hot. No, Paul doesn't say that. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, what does, that, what does that mean? Well, he means Christ is the ultimate example of submission. Christ laid down his life selflessly to meet our deepest needs and desires in our lives. I mean, he was beaten, he was bloodied, he was crucified for our sin. That's why Paul writes, live a life uh, filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and he offered himself as a sacrifice for us. So, so why should we submit to one another out of reverence for Christ and what he's done for you and me. And then here's the beautiful thing about submission. Submission encourages submission. You know, when I submit and meet one of Marnie's expectations of me, it motivates her to meet one of my expectations of her. Submission moves the flywheel. Great relationships should be a competition to outserve the other person. It's a race to get to the back of the line. I mean, maybe, you, maybe you'd say, I, I would do anything for my spouse. But would you put your phone down when she wants to talk? You, you, maybe you'd say, I'd do anything for my uh, spouse, but would you allow him to watch uh, three hours of uh, sports time? Maybe you can't stand sports, but would you let him watch? Will you be the first to go and change the diaper? Will you be the first to go and do the laundry? Will you be the first to help a friend move? Will you be the first to compliment a coworker for a good job well done? Now, here's the danger uh, in, in all of this. Uh, you might be tempted to keep score. You know, um, I submitted to her four times this week. She only submitted to, th me, to me three times. So it's, it's her turn. But keeping score is unhealthy. Don't submit to another person uh, to, to try to get them to submit uh, to you. That, that's just owing somebody something. Instead, when you meet someone's expectations, do so out of reverence for Jesus who submitted to death and resurrection. He gave up his life uh, for you. Now, now, to be clear, there are times when submission is not the right thing to do. Uh, for example, in an abusive relationship. I saw a statistic uh, recently that said domestic violence has increased 25% uh, during the pandemic, I guess because we spend more time at home. And oftentimes women are the victims of abuse and violence. And if you're one of those women, let me encourage you to get help. Tell someone. Find shelter. I mean, submission doesn't mean you put your life at risk. Your life is precious to God. And submission also, it doesn't mean that we always agree on everything. For example, maybe your spouse doesn't have faith in Jesus, doesn't want to attend church, especially when it comes to matters of faith. Submit to God's will above your spouse. Submit to God's will above your friendships. But when you're in a relationship with someone who expresses God-honoring, healthy expectations, race to the back of the line and, and be the first to submit to the other person. All right, the last principle to navigate, help us navigate expectations, cast your anxieties on God. You know, many people in our culture uh, have this idea, maybe this assumption that friendships and marriage should meet all our expectations and all of our, fulfill all of our uh, desires. Maybe you remember the famous line uh, from the movie, uh, uh, what was it called? Jerry Maguire, there we go, where Tom Cruise says to Nicole Kidman, you complete me. But there's no way one other person can complete you. 
no one person can meet and fulfill all your expectations and desires. That's why there'll be days and weeks and even seasons where you wonder, is this even worth it? And that's why Peter wrote these words, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. There are gonna be times and seasons where you're the only one meeting expectations. You're the only one who is submitting and you're wondering, you know, when, am I, when is it gonna be my turn to get my due? What about my expectations? When are those going to be met? You know, in reality, it might be a while. So what are you supposed to do in the meantime? Well, Peter continues. And here's what he says. He says, cast all your anxiety on him, on God, because he cares for you. When you feel like you're never going to get out of the season and your expectations aren't going to be met, cast your anxiety on God. And God promises in due time, he is going to lift you up and fulfill your, your expectations. And his power is going to fill your marriage and your relationships. But listen, Ben, you know, my wife, she doesn't cook. My husband, he's not going to clean the kitchen. Do I really need to keep submitting? I mean, how long do I need to wait? How long do I need to wait for my wishes and my expectations to be met? Well, I don't have any easy answers but Peter has a solution, and it's to cast, to put, to place, to tell God your anxieties. When you, when you pray and pray and pray for the right one, and you go on date after date after date, and it feels like a failure. When you feel like you're the only one submitting, you're the only one working on a relationship. When you get up and face another day, navigating a day of, of busyness and stress at work, and you wonder, who's got time to work on relationships? Peter says, cast your anxieties on God, and in due time, God's power will lift you up. God will bless you and fulfill you and take care of you. I did a, uh, I, I spoke at a funeral recently, uh, last month, that really inspired me. Uh, Ray McClanahan uh, was 87 uh, years old, uh, married, married to Betty uh, for 65 years. I've known them all my life. Uh, Ray and Betty were leaders in the church where I grew up. Uh, Betty was my Sunday school teacher as a kid. Ray was an elder in the church. And uh, I just took a random picture a few years ago in the lobby and I, I, but I think in this picture, you can even see how they, 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 they cared for each other. I mean, they didn't just stay married uh, for a long time. They, they loved and cared and enjoyed each other. And Ray's cell phone, in his, context, in his context, it didn't say Betty. It said Angel. I mean, that's what he called her, my angel. And uh, he was just a great example of kindness and love. But I know if you ask Betty and Ray, uh, they would tell you. I mean, maybe they wouldn't use the exact same words that we've been using here today. But they would say, we had uh, different expectations that we had to navigate in our marriage. But we didn't owe each other. We stayed grateful to each other. We clothed ourselves in humility. And we submitted to one another out of reverence uh, for Jesus. And we cast our anxieties on God. And I'm telling you, God blessed them and uh, with, with a great marriage and family, and God lifted them up, and, and uh, they have a legacy. Uh, God has blessed so many people 
through them. And I think they would also point to this verse from the book of Romans that God's love has been poured into our hearts. They allowed God to pour his love into their hearts and it empowered them to close that gap and better give and receive love. God's love empowers us to navigate expectations in our relationships so that we can really love and enjoy each other. And so I want to end the message uh, today uh, with communion. Communion, I think, focuses us on God's uh, love. We have communion for you in the room here on the uh, tables at, at both locations. If you're watching online, you can go ahead and grab some juice and a cracker. Our communion is open to anyone who receives God's love through Jesus. Communion represents God's love pouring into our uh, hearts. It reminds us that Jesus came and, and died on a cross uh, to forgive our sins and to prove, to prove God's love, God's unconditional love for each of us. The bread uh, represents Jesus' body. Let's go ahead and let's eat the bread together. And the juice represents Christ's blood. Let's drink the juice together. And let's, let's remember, this represent, represents God's love pouring into our hearts, empowering us to navigate expectations in relationships so that we can close that gap and uh, really love and enjoy each other. Let me pray for us. God, thank you that you uh, loved us so completely that you sent your son Jesus. Thank you for your love that fills us and empowers us to grow into emotionally healthy people as we grow in our relationship with you. God, I pray for our relationships, especially where we feel a gap of, of disappointment and maybe even hopelessness. And I pray that you would use this this series to fill us with your love and hope and equip us with skills to close the gap. Help us to give and re receive love better and experience greater levels of emotionally healthy relationships. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.